Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ Jesus, you came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you plead for us at the right hand of the Father. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
Let us pray. Let your merciful ears, O Lord, be open to the prayers of your humble servants, and that they may obtain their petitions, make them to ask such things as shall please you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first lesson for the ninth Sunday after Trinity is written in the second book of Samuel, chapter 22. To the faithful you show yourself faithful. To the blameless you show yourself blameless. To the pure you show yourself pure, but to the crooked you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. You are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord turns my darkness into light. With your help I can advance against a troop. With my God I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The second lesson is written in St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Glory be to you, o Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know, that w- I know what I'll do, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtor. He asked the first, How much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Then he asked us the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. 
so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ.
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. If the only thing I really need in life is Jesus and his word, what shall I do when I find out that God has given me so much more? For he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason, and all my senses. And he's given me my time every day, a gift from him, and, and he's given me the ability to produce wealth, to make money, even if, it, if we have less of it than we would like, we would have none of it at all if it were not for the kindness of the one who owns it all. If only one thing is needful, shouldn't we give the rest all back? Or give it away or give it up? That isn't what Jesus tells us in our gospel for today. Rather, Jesus admonishes us to manage it and wisely. Jesus tells us about a steward, a manager, a man whose job it is to take care of what belongs to his master. So he writes the checks and makes the deposit. He buys and sells, but he doesn't own any of it. He is a manager. Well, word gets around to this rich man that his manager was wasting his possessions. Maybe, maybe he had made some bad investments. Maybe he was lazy or other people took advantage of him. Maybe the economy was bad. Maybe he had embezzled funds. We don't know. Whatever the reason, he was accused of mismanagement and he was called in before the boss. He says, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. He tells him, turn in your books, present your records, and give them back. In other words, you're fired. Yet there seems to be some amount of time between this and when he was going to be called into account. He was eventually going to have to show his books, give an account of his management, but he didn't know exactly when. What he did know that was he was finished here. Whenever we talk about money in church, we tend to use the term stewardship because that is what we are, stewards, managers. But it would be a mistake for us to think that stewardship only applies to that part of our money that we give to church or, or that, that the reason that, that we are managers of our money is so that we can give to church. No. We are stewards of everything. Everything that we have belongs to God. The psalmist says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It would be a mistake for us to think that the only thing that God is concerned about is a little bit of our money. And it would be a mistake for us to think that when God hears about us and our management, that he is hearing good things. 
It would be a mistake for us to become so sure that we're handling things just fine to think that our management of what we have been given to manage has been squeaky clean. And we wouldn't need to be just talking about money. We could be talking about our time. All the minutes and hours that God has, in days and years that God has given and how much we have wasted. Or, if we do talk about money, how many of the dollars that have passed through your hands, how many of those would God consider to be faithfully managed? How many of those dollars brought him honor and glory? What do you suppose he will find when he comes and asks for your records? Not just your contribution statement, not just your checking account, your checkbook but your record of everything that he has given. But not just that. He will also demand a record, indeed, of your heart. Everything that has gone in and everything that has gone out, what will he find? Faithfulness? There's a certain amount of time in between when God asks of you, what is this I hear of you? And that time when he finally calls you to account. How long that will be, we don't know. But we find ourselves standing here with this wasteful manager saying, what shall we do now? My master is taking away my job. Because someday these things that I have will all be gone. Money, gone. Talents, skills, no more. Time, run out when we will no longer have the job of managing all of these things because these things are for our lifetime and and there's no need of them beyond it. But the question is, what shall we do now? The manager said, I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm too ashamed to beg. In other words, there really were no good solutions. We can't take care of ourselves. We can't dig our way out of this mess. We deserve nothing, and we should be too ashamed to beg anything before God. Got a plan? You need one. Some plan. Some hope for us that at the time, that time when God finally calls us to account, and it's not going to be good, everything we have will be taken away. This manager had a plan. He says, I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. And then the manager goes off to work. He calls in his master's debtors and he gives them discounts on their bill, 50% off, 20% off. Quickly, he says, sit down, change your bill. And he wastes no time in carrying out this this plan because, because he doesn't know how much time he has left, so he does it immediately. His hope is that one of his master's debtors will then feel indebted to him and will let him stay at their house when he's out on the street. The manager had a plan and he attacked the plan with all of his energy. He doesn't even know if it's going to work, but he moves ahead boldly and confidently. As it turns out, the plan worked, sort of. His master actually commends him, not for his dishonesty, but for his shrewdness, for his wisdom. What's your plan? What's your plan for when God calls you to account for your unfaithfulness? 
You are guilty, and your accounts will be found wanting, and your management wasteful. You can't dig or beg. Jesus doesn't suggest lying or cheating your way into his kingdom. But here's a plan. Unless you have a better one, here's a sure one. It is this. Rely on Christ and his perfect life and innocent death. Rely not on your works, not on your prayers, not on your faithfulness. The only way that you will come into eternal dwellings is through Christ who stands for you. So what are you waiting for? If this lazy crook could make shrewd and diligent use of what he had while he still had it, shouldn't we be all the more diligent in using what we have now while we still have it? And so that it will be of some lasting benefit? Jesus said the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. I tell you, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. When people really want something, they'll do whatever it takes to get it. Someone who really wants to, to lose weight will do what it takes to shed the pounds, or, or the one who wants to make it big will find a way to climb to the top. People can be very diligent and they can be very smart when they really want something, when they are motivated, especially, or even, and especially, they'll do this for things that don't even last. But the children of light walk in the light. That is, you know what lasts for eternity and what will fade away. You know that worldly wealth or pleasure or friendships won't get you into heaven. Only the hearing of Christ, who took our place and who paid our debts and covered our wastefulness. Wouldn't it be a shame if the children of this world were smarter and more diligent in managing their time and money for all the things that won't last, then the children of light manage their time and money for things that will last to eternity. The people of this world may be shrewd in dealing with their own kind, but that's just the thing. They deal with worldly wealth, their possessions, in a way that benefits them and their own kind. They use it for their wants and desires, even when they do something for others, give something to others. They do it because it makes them feel good to do so. They use worldly wealth to serve self. And all of that will disappear. Jesus says, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself, so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Jesus is not telling us to, to buy our friends, but to use what we've been given, including our money, for others in a way that benefits them eternally. The church father, Basil the Great, said it this way. He said, so let the end of your earthly tilling be the beginning of your heavenly sowing. Let the work that you do now have harvest 
in heaven. Jesus in Matthew 25 tells us about that last day, the day of judgment, the day when the, the sheep and the goats will be separated from one from another. And he tells them that those who gave him, Jesus, a cup of water and gave him clothes, and they asked him, they said, they said when, when did we do that? Jesus says, you did it for them. Your friends are those who will stand up at the judgment and they'll testify how you used even your money in service to your neighbor for his good and especially his eternal good. Jesus says, use, manage your wealth wisely. And use it in such a way that it will make a difference. He's given so much to you. But if you go and blow it because of dumb mistakes... You can't then also use it to show love to God and to your neighbor, can you? There are, in fact, some really dumb things that even Christians do. Some of you have done it too. Things that, the kind of things that would get us fired if we were managing money for someone else. And then there are wise things, smart things. Managing wisely the things that God has given to us, no matter how much or how little that may be. But let's be clear, being smart with money won't get you into heaven. We trust in Christ so confidently. When the day of accounting comes, you hand in your books, and in Christ, only in Christ, everything will be as it should. And God says, well, Wouldn't it be great, though, to receive that welcome into eternal dwellings from friends, from the family and the neighbors that you had here, the ones to whom you gave, the ones you served, the ones your offerings supported, the ones for whom you wisely used the things that God has given you, but now those are all gone. But these, these that God has given you, these remain the ones with whom you can enjoy what God will give for all eternity. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join now in confessing the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father,
As God is our good and gracious master, let us offer up prayers for ourselves, for the church, for the world at large, and for all people in need. For mercy, that in turn we would be quick to show mercy to others, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For a right understanding of our own weakness and frailty, that we would not become proud but cling always to Christ and his forgiveness, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this congregation, that we would not fall prey to grumbling, adultery, idolatry, disbelief, and other great shame and vice, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those called to preach throughout the world, especially the pastors of our sister synods, that they would not be lured away into false doctrine or lead anyone else astray, but that they would be preserved in the truth of God's word. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For a right fear of the Lord, that we would not abandon his truth. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For a right love of the Lord, that we would fervently show mercy and thereby cover a multitude of sins, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For a right trust of the Lord, that in repentance we would return to our baptism daily, and that in faith we would receive his body and blood in the supper, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our government, that those with authority would not only be shrewd in their dealings, but that they would act with love, righteousness, and devotion to the common good. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who are sick or otherwise suffering, that they would be given strength to endure their trials until God removes them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who commune, that they would come to the Lord's Supper in repentance and faith for the forgiveness of sins and in a unity of a true confession. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song.
Holy God, mighty Lord, gracious Father, you have filled all creation with light and life. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. You lifted Noah and his family in the ark. You promised to bless all nations through Abraham. You delivered Moses and the Israelites. You renewed your promises through the prophets. And now you have spoken through your Son, who in words and deeds proclaimed your kingdom and was obedient to your will. In your tender mercy, you gave him your one and only Son to suffer death on the cross for our redemption. By the one offering of himself, he made there a full, perfect and sufficient sacrifice, oblation and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, gracious Father, remembering his blessed passion, mighty resurrection, and glorious ascension, we humbly thank you for this wonderful gift of salvation through your Son's own body and blood. Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor be yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Hear the prayer of your people, O Lord, that the lips which have praised you here may glorify you in the world, that the eyes which have seen the coming of your Son may long for his coming again, and that all who have received in his true body and blood the pledge of your forgiveness may be restored to live a new and holy life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.